Welcome to the 99 Challenges Podcast. On each episode in this show, we bring you one challenge that your business can face and invite experts to provide insights on overcoming these challenges. This episode is brought to you by Anywhere Consulting. We solve problems for growing businesses. We follow up each episode with more content at the99challenges.com or at anywhere.consulting. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Peter Benet, founder of Anywhere Consulting. In today's episode, we will talk about remote team culture. As more and more companies are switching from a traditional office setup to a remote work environment, keeping the business processes efficient and preserve and build a team culture are somewhat the hardest challenges for businesses. We are going to dive deep into possible solutions. So I invited Michael Youngblood, CEO of Unsettled. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. Hey, Peter. It's good to be here. Awesome. So first, I guess you should do some intro on what Unsettled is and what you are doing. I just read that you just become the CEO of the company. So share your journey. Yeah, thank you. So even before Unsettled, I have been really working remotely or working from home really since the day I graduated college in 2007. And it's been a good however many year journey that I've worked remotely, I think, that entire time. And I've, I've been an entrepreneur for much that time. I worked for uh, a major university in the U.S., MIT, for some years in that time. And even when I worked for the university, MIT, which is in the Boston region in Cambridge, I never stepped foot onto the campus. It was all remote back then. And while that was circa 2010, that's not a long time ago in, in the grand picture of our lives in the world. But in terms of remote work, it was early to consider you're working for you know a major university and, and you were doing it 500 miles away. And I've worked for quite a number of years on, on various size teams remotely, and not just remotely, but distributed. Work with people around the world on almost all of those teams that I'm, I'm mentioning. And it was when I was at MIT that I realized a couple of things. One, I realized as an individual, it was a pretty lonely experience. I was living in an apartment in Washington, D.C., some 500 miles you know, south of Boston. And I had all these colleagues that were quote-unquote on my team, but we never had lunches together. We'd never go out for happy hours or runs or water cooler conversations. And, and so there was a real lack of a culture, to be honest. And so I looked at that. It's really interesting. I've never thought about it in these terms until now, but I realized I was lacking what you'd call a culture at a company. And so I began to build it myself. And so what I did is that was the first time I began to start what we eventually called Unsettled. So back in 2014, while I was working in MIT, lacking this culture, this very human need to connect with other people around me, because I didn't have that. I said, there's got to be other people like me who can work remotely. What if I build a culture with them? And we can all work remotely. So what if we do it in some island paradise somewhere and we, we work remotely for a month? So that was the time I put together, uh, which was one of the first times in the world somebody put together what, what you can call a co-working retreat, right? An intentional purpose to bring together a group of people, a community of people who can work remotely to share a common space, a place, to build a community, to share work ideas, to share life ideas. 
And, and that's the first time we did it. So long story short, that was the beginning of this journey. And since then, obviously, I've continued to work remotely. We've ran 100 of these retreats uh, since that first one in 20 countries. And we've helped about 3,000 people work remotely from a different country on, on our retreats. Uh, our entire team, which has been as small as one person back then to as many as about 30 people, we've been remote and distributed. And, and today we're even helping Fortune 100 companies, Fortune 50 companies from the world's largest you know, foundations, even governments to think now that the entire way that we work is changing quite rapidly. It was almost just like everybody knew these changes were coming. We just thought it was going to be a slow and adaptive change over a couple of decades like most changes, it's usually, you know, yeah. slow and sure. And then obviously COVID just like, boom, decades worth of change happened in, in March, 2020. Like everybody knows that March event, like their boss called on like March 15th and they're like, get your computer and go home. So that's a little bit of my journey in, in this remote workspace and how much I've been around it, but also how much I'm seeing it change our culture as well as other organizations. What an awesome journey. You pretty much never went to office, actually? No? I've had some office, <laughs> in, but it's never been, I've never had an office, you know, in my life where I expected to be there full time, four or five days a week or anything like that. It's so amazing. To a large extent, I, I don't know the other side of the equation. You know, I know <laughs> the, work side, the remote work side of it really well, but, but I, I, I'm definitely not an expert in the in-person company office space dynamics. And I've been around plenty of them, but, but I wouldn't be the person to call if you're trying to build this beautiful office space. Sure. Yeah. So I don't want to be the guy who defines everything at the start, but I do think it is necessary here. Yep. So some companies say that the team culture means that you have a ping pong table at your office and set it and done it. And pretty much that's culture. Others say that it's an essence of how you work and your work processes combined together. So with so many views on this, what does corporate culture mean to you? Yeah, I think it is important to talk about the definition of it. And I know why we're both like, oh, let's not spend too much time on these definitions. But I think it's helpful for, for somebody to think through exactly what it means. Because if, if you're having changes or challenges, it gives you the starting point. And I think of it as it's the shared, and by the way, I have a degree in anthropology. So I think I approach this a lot for my training in cultural anthropology. And so I, I do put that anthropological lens on, and I think it's the shared language, the shared expectations, and the common know-how for how we interact within a group of people. And at large companies, right, think of any large company in the world, let's pick on you know, Google, let's say, there is a shared language within Google about how they talk about, say, project management. I don't know exactly what that is, but I have some small ideas and they have certain words that they use because it gets everybody on the same page. It allows them to have a shared expectation that when this person says, hey, maybe they use the word target date instead of deadline. When they say the target date is March 10th, that statement probably has a lot of contextualized meaning that you have to be part of that insider group of people that is that culture to really understand exactly how that works and, and 
the outcome of that is the smoother processes. It's the smoother workflow. But the culture is not necessarily only in the processes and the workflow. In anthropology, they think of material culture as one aspect of culture. The shirt that we're wearing, the cross in, in Christian religion, and you can think of any other material objects. Cultures also have material objects. And, and any culture designer, even office designers, when you go from space to space, you can think of the Google campus or the famous Apple campus. The Apple campus is 80% green space. Why did they do that? There's reasons why they did that for a certain culture. So yeah, and if I could just share one more thing, I think it's really interesting to think of the difference between culture and community within a company. And I do think they're different. I think it's a very important distinction. Let's think of, of Google, right? Let's say Google has half a million employees. So they have 500,000 employees who have a shared, or a definition of culture, shared language, shared you know, understanding and expectations. And two Google employees, let's say one in California, let's say one in London, who have never met and will probably never work together, they have that shared language. But they're not part of the same community because the same community is the 100, 150 people, maybe 20 people, the people who they really need high functional relations with to get really deep, crucial, important work done. Just if I'm a citizen of the United States, there's 300 million people in the United States, I have something shared with them. But my immediate people in my life, the hundreds of people are my community. And those community members, in my mind, when we're talking about these changes in remote work, changes in hybrid work, changes in the workplace, those are the essential, that's the essential view to take. Who is your, in your immediate community and how has this new way of working disrupted those 20, 50, 100, 150 or so people that are working closely together? Because they need to have really reliable relationships with each other that is built on trust, emotions, processes, all of that to be productive. And when those reliable processes break down, the entire work system breaks down. That's really interesting because it means that you don't or can't build or develop the culture just through the processes, changing the processes. Cultural development within an organization has to be grassroots. So let's say you have, I don't know, a thousand people in your company. That's like a medium-sized firm. You cannot pull all of the 1,000 people into a remote retreat, but you can pull small communities within that company and teach them or, or help them to develop their culture and then from there, they can implement or spread that kind of cultural change within the organization. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like that example of the London you know, team member and the California team member. Those two people, there may be no functional need for them to really ever communicate. But there is a need when you're thinking of the company as a whole for them to understand the vision, for them to feel like they have a sense of belonging, for them to, to feel like they're internally motivated for the same reasons, whether wherever they work, whether they know each other or not. So, so there's this kind of high level need for the organization to take care of everybody and to build that sense of shared belonging and understanding. But when you really get down into functional needs of work, those two people, to an extent, become irrelevant when who really needs to be working together in this new way of working are these communities, these smaller communities of people. And that's why most organizations have these divisions where you end up getting other managers and, and there's a lot of resources spent within those teams. And, and those are the people I think we have to take care of 
when we're saying, okay, whatever decision is made in every organization is different. We're working remote now. We're hybrid now. We're fully back in the office now because I don't know, we're in Australia and and we're taking care of COVID really well. It's all different, but looking at it from that lens of who are the crucial people on these teams. and, And in the most part from the work that we're doing, we're understanding that every team is now more complicated because almost every team is partially remote, partially in the office, partially hybrid. And that lack of routine begins to challenge all the, the real functions that make up a community or a culture. And so we have to, as, as leaders, we have to reestablish, and I say leaders as anybody who works there, anybody needs to take initiative, in my view, to reestablish the trust, the routines, the processes, even when we're working in, in completely new ways, whether that's on a co-working retreat, once a year the team gets together, or maybe it's once every Friday they get together, or maybe it's fully remote. They just have to reestablish, you know, what, what they need. Yeah, yeah. As human beings, I, I do believe that we wholeheartedly, honestly, hate change, and and everyone is thriving towards some sort of stability. Yeah. But in today's world, uh, especially when it comes to workforce, it's an ever-changing environment. People should be prepared to deal with these changes. I guess it's really great to be in a paradise island and having a remote retreat. And and it's great and easy, somehow it's easier to pull people into a shared culture because they are physically there. And you can organize, I don't know, events around them or workshops or whatever, but they are physically there, so they are participating in it. How can you solve this uh, problem remotely? How can you offer something where people are willing and happily engaged in a, in a fully remote setup of team building? I'll do my best to point out two or three key things that I think you can begin to do. I think the keywords might help you or anyone who's listening here is that participating and engaged and learn through the participation and engagement. That should be the key to any virtual remote trip. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that that full participation. That's mostly how I would think about it. I I would look at it from who are the participants in this community and culture. And the first thing, and and we only have time for, for a couple, but the first thing I would, what we're learning is people, the term like Zoom fatigue, or any term, what that really is showing is when you think about suddenly you're working like me, let's say from your home, and when you're working from home, your calendar begins to look different than if you worked in the office in little ways, but it's meeting up until the top of the hour and then another meeting up until the top of the hour, and then maybe another meeting for 30 minutes, you know, and then maybe if you're lucky, you have 30 minute break. And, and that looks different in, in the smallest ways but they're very important. The smallest ways are, let's think about even arriving to work. And a decade ago, you maybe drove to work, rode a bicycle, a car pulled, walked. Maybe you walked with a colleague the last you know, 100 meters between your car and the office. You got a moment to catch up. That's what I was missing at MIT. That's why I started Unsettled, because I was missing those moments of human interaction. Maybe you carpooled with somebody, right? My mom was a nurse for 20 years. She drove the secretary at her nursing station home after work and she said she got to know that woman better than almost any person in her life because 20 years after work they talked for 20 minutes on the drive home and, and we yeah. don't have that anymore if you're working remotely there's um, no commute yeah, yeah 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 there's no commute and, and not everybody commutes that way obviously most of us are doing it on our own but then lunch 
okay, oh my God, my Zoom ends at 1 p.m. 45 minutes before my next meeting. I'm going to run into my kitchen and make a sandwich and have lunch probably by myself. That used to be time. And then we get into meetings and it's hard to run meetings through Zoom in a way that is hitting agendas. It's being timely, but it's also making space for the human element. We don't want to just be these, nothing against Zoom, I apologize to Zoom, but we don't just want to be these agenda driving robots where we come into meetings and it's, all right, guys, here are the three things we need to accomplish in the next you know, hour. Agenda item number one is this. Are we on board? Great, let's go. I know that's important, but when you're thinking, which we are from a cultural perspective, we need to rethink from a virtual lens how can we rebuild in the car commute, rebuild in lunch, rebuild in the water cooler moments, rebuild all of these human moments that allow that community, that allow that culture to show up? Because as soon as that disappears, they're going to be like I was in the circa 2010, feeling very isolated, very remote. And what that leads to, if you're an employer, it leads to, to disengagement. What disengagement leads to is people quit before it. I think that's the title of the book. I already quit and you don't know it from a decade ago. And so what happens is they're sitting at home and they're beginning to hide behind their computer screens. They're beginning to disengage because there's no longer much of a culture. Sure, the ping pong table is a silly example, but it's also meaningful. It's a great moment. I love ping pong. I was talking to a colleague in a relaxed environment. So like, how can you have video game moments? Can you make sure everybody has two hours every day where you don't care what they're doing? You just make sure that they're not on calls eight hours a day. There's a new role in place. Can you make sure there are no internal calls on a Friday? Can you maybe, instead of running the stand-up team meeting where you stand up, you're as efficient as you can in 15 minutes, maybe you run that and you come back a couple of days and you say, hey, there's another meeting we run and, and you don't have to stand up. We're just here to make sure we're talking and communicating. So we have yeah. to look at it like, yeah, what has changed and what are we missing that's really innately human and how do we bring those ways back? I think everyone forgets that work is more than just processes and output and deliverables. And what you just said about the massacred calendar and the amount of Zoom meetings that people have in remote uh, environments. I just had a, an episode with the founder of Remotive. It's a, work, a remote work community. And he said the very same thing. So the way how companies reacted to this whole COVID situation when they forced to uh, send people home, work from home that they established more, even more meetings, even more setups, more conversations through online, just because they couldn't control the situation. And also people wanted to accept all of these meetings because they wanted to look busy. That's also a key driven factor, not just because they were just missed the, the lunch and stuff. So yeah, all in all, I do believe work is more than just a process, more than just delivering the work. And I really like what you said that rebuilding those moments that you had in the actual traditional office setup. But how can you do that remotely? I think that the key to understanding that is, yeah, work is more than the processes, the productivity, the outcomes. But those things are important. And actually, those things will be better if we make time and space for culture and community. Um, and sure. Ultimately, we'll see better outputs, better productivity, longer retainment, a better culture that attracts higher talent, better work, probably helps your margins, probably helps retaining clients. And so ultimately they go hand in hand. And that's why I think leaders know how important it is to get the culture piece of it. And I think another interesting thing that's happening is a lot of big companies and a lot of informal surveys outside of companies have begun to ask employees and workers, do you want to go back into the office? And the 
typical number that I see is 80% of people want to continue to work a majority from home with some office interaction. 80% of respondents are saying when given the choice between fully remote, some version of hybrid or fully back in the office, the majority of people are saying mostly remote with some in-person, right? So hybrid. And it's astounding how that number stayed around 80% in about a dozen surveys that I've seen across culture, across you know companies. And to me, what that actually says is a point I'm going to make. And then I'm going to answer your question. It yeah. says people actually want autonomy. Like, sure, working from home is nice. Like, I love to, I don't know, to be wearing my sweatpants right now and to, you know, be able to walk to my kitchen in, in two seconds. And there are benefits of, of working from home. But I think what people neatly are looking for is autonomy. Because when you're working from home, there's nobody breathing over your shoulder. There's nobody, you know, interrupting you. There's nobody who is is really coming and dictating, you know, exactly how and when you show up as much as in the office environment. And I think what they're, what, what this 80% of people are really saying is they want great leaders and managers, whether they're at home, in the office, remote. And I think that's an important lesson because how you do this remotely versus how you do it in person. It actually takes better leadership. It takes more pronounced culture. All the stuff we were doing before in, in the offices, you actually have to do it better remotely because it's, it's, it's more difficult remotely to do a, a whole long list of things. And I can say in my own experience, like me personally, when I've been on, on the remote teams that I've been on, when we never touch base in person, I see things like my ego showing up more in remote meetings with remote colleagues, I show up in ways I'm not proud of, in fact, versus when we're in the office. And we just have in more of a relaxed setting that isn't so focused on productivity and outputs. It seems so crunched by time because we have this next you know, Zoom you know, meeting coming up or Skype or whoever. And so it, the remote part makes a lot of things harder. And so it takes more and better leadership, management, culture, community, efforts, all of the things that we knew from the past. They're not fundamentally different, in my opinion. We just have to be better at them. Developing your culture remotely, is it something that you can, like, shall we say, buy off the shelf as a package? Or is it more like a journey, no. a facilitated journey that you need to take in no. order to see some developments? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, super interesting question. I think there's no way you can fix your culture with the off-the-shelf idea, the, the, the product, the one-time off. The, there's no silver bullet. I think that's a universal metaphor. But there's no one solution to all the problems wrapped up in working remotely. It is because it's evolving so quickly today and will continue to evolve. There are no easy answers here. And so it has to be a, a journey that is constantly massaged, for lack of a better word, by the right leader. And at a smaller firm, that's often a founder who, who really cares about the culture. At a medium-sized firm, it might be somebody in, in human resources. The larger firms even have more and more so somebody with a, a people title. So chief people officer, and they're on the lookout. And in, in some Large firms and probably medium firms now begin to have a remote work, you know, a chief of remote work or head of remote work position to be thinking of these. And the reason that is because it is 
a constant journey. And sometimes it's a constant struggle. Let's not sugarcoat it. And when something's a struggle, it means it's a problem. When something's a problem and it's constant, it means you need somebody there in touch with it along this journey for the long haul to make sure that we are solving this this problem that is changing all the time. And so I think that there are small things you can do here and there that are off the shelf. As much as I've caught out, you know, Zoom today, Zoom's a great, a great off the shelf solution, but, mm-hmm. but there's so many more complexities that we got to have people within our team, outside facilitators, and the idea of getting your team together every once in a while, more empathetic, better leadership, and just a, a pronounced and clear focus on the remote culture. It's really important. And, and, and we're just now getting started. We're about a year into this major shift of work, and it's not going to go back. Remote work is going to be the big thing for the next 20 years in, in terms of the workplace. And so it's just now starting out. And, and to some degree, nobody's the answers. I don't have the answers. I don't want your listeners to think that my answers are the right answers. Or Right now, it's so early on, we need to continue to look out for new perspective, new research, new ways of doing things, new innovation, and, and figure out what works for, for, for my life, for my organization, my team. The 99 Challenges podcast is produced by Anywhere Consulting. We solve problems for growing businesses with specialized marketing and business services. If you want to partner up with us, visit our site at anywhere.consulting. If you want to read more about our podcast episodes or want to become a guest on our show, please visit d99challenges.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, by the way, I think we should have a, a drinking game. Every time we mention Zoom, we drink. I really love the example. Zoom is the tool that you can buy off the shelf but cannot solve you the culture. It can bring you the environment where you can solve it, but, but it cannot solve it for you. So how do you solve it personally with Unsettled? Hmm. The multi-million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> the billion dollar question. The question of the workforce that is remote. It takes a, a lot of work. To me, it's not something that can be solved, but it's something that can be understood and improved and that's what we're looking for like most things it's never finished in other words it's always a question of getting better and so i think taking that mindset and and saying hey let's approach this and say how can we get better at this and and i think you know what you need if you're an organization and and ask the question another way if it's not an organizational perspective but as an organization i think you need to pull in somebody who commits some percentage of their time to help answer this question. Somebody has to be have a clear role to say, we are now working in this new way, whatever that looks like, remote, hybrid, something in between, back in the office. And, and now we have to have somebody dedicating at a small firm of 20 employees. Maybe it's, it's one person, five or 10 hours a week. At a large firm, maybe they have 100 people at Google or 1,000 people dedicated to this. But you have to begin to get somebody's responsibility first, delegate upon them. Hey, let's make sure we're improving upon this. And then you have to just, a lot of problems, ask the good questions. What are the the biggest problems within our organization to get better at? And and I can tell you every culture is is extremely, extraordinarily different from one firm to the other. And and we work with, you know, quite a few, many of which are household names. Um, And they're so different. It's like black and white apples and oranges and I don't have specific questions for anybody. Um, I don't have specific ways of solving it. All I, I know is you have to go about it like you do any problem and say, okay, what are the specific problems? 
let's decouple them and say, here's the first one, here's the second one, here's the third one. Let's get a plan for each one. And then I think the most important thing, this is the clearest piece of advice, let's engage our team into helping us answer this question or this problem. We can't have two or three executives or or two or three team members responsible for working remotely, let's say, coming up with the solution. You have to say, here's two or three people. Here's a sticky problem at this organization. Let's get people involved. Let's hear their voice on this. Let's get their perspective. Let's assess and synthesize what we can learn from our team and what's working, what's not working, how they want to continue to work. And then let's come up with a plan based on their input. That's how this has to go because it's it's community and culture work. And that's always how it has to be in my view. What if you don't have that two to three people of senior managers who are facilitating that change internally? Um, Or you have those people, but they don't really know the basics of remote work. I know it's hard because you you actually never worked in an office. I... Personally, by the way, I I came from the office environment, so I made the switch. But to me, it's really hard to think about not working remotely. But for those who were in the traditional office-based scenario, it's it's really unimaginable to work remotely for now. And I guess they have the basic questions not answered yet. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Can you train them? Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few things. One is an interesting thing because even... If there, were, if there was a massive change at their organization, some places feel pretty good about how it's looking and it's feeling. But I think there are these emerging symptoms almost that are changing that they're not quite seeing. And so people might be like, hey, I like working from home. Hey, I like my Zoom meetings. I'll take a shot. I, I like how this is going. But there's this underneath tension that might be emerging and, and so even if it feels good that there's something happening with so much change, and, and I agree with you, humans just don't like change. And, and if you don't, going back to your core question, if you don't have the person on your team who can carve out that time, my advice would be to, to think who can come in and help. Unsettled does that. I'm not going to give incredibly strong or clear a sales pitch by any means. This is a podcast. There are organizations like ours who, who go in, who've been doing this a lot, who in our case, we've worked with a handful of fortune 50 companies, you know, hundred fortune hundred companies, you know, and, and companies that are 500 employees all the way down to, to 90 employees and 50 employees and bring some additional capacity in from an expert. Absolutely. Good idea. Absolutely. Consider it. And, and there's a lot of firms out there who specialize in culture. Our, our firm really specializes in that remote and hybrid culture. Because uh, that's who we've always been, and that's why we get out there and we help. And we help in a lot of ways. We help in these retreats I've been doing since you know 2014, uh, but we also help in coming in and just designing you know a virtual environment without having to go into an office or a retreat. Um, but there are other firms who specialize in, in culture, and they might not have worked much on remote culture pre 2020. But because they specialize in culture, they're still going to be a great partner within that. I, I think there's other ways you could get your members of your HR team special training capacity in this. You could get your managers additional training capacity in this. And, and what I, I don't think they should be doing is going out and, and you know reading the latest book on, on the stuff or just taking kind of a passive course. I don't think there's a lot of value in like a high level manager HR a specialist to be like watching a course or, or just reading a book. They need interactive discussion 
because the problems they have to work through on this are very complex, very sticky. They're human problems. They're not the problems a single tool can fix. And so they need the dialogue and they need a, a safe and candid space where they can be straightforward with themselves. And so I think it's a great space you know, to come in with facilitators. And I won't over pitch us, but this is what we do. It's on our website. It's called Team Journeys. We come into organizations and we help create journeys. Usually that lasts about a month to get teams of about 50 people into a journey with us to surface the tensions, to talk about what is happening and to think of the solutions as a team. And we're making sure that those discussions happen in an environment that people are very you know, comfortable of, of coming forward and talking about some, some very tough conversations, to be honest. That's really awesome. And just as you said, a, a pre-recorded course or any kind of boxed solution, I don't think that it's a good idea for anyone because as said, every business is different. Every team is different. Every culture is different. So I, I agree that there should be a facilitated approach. Let's talk and close this conversation with some happy notes. How do you see the corporate world after COVID? Do you think that companies will allow more remote work or we will turn back into a full back to basics, back to office mode, or there will be some hybrid stuff yeah. at the end? And what can we learn from this last exceptionally challenging year? Yeah. Overall, there, there's definitely going to be more remote work in our future than in our past, unquestionably. And not only is it going to change corporate culture, it's going to change how we live and how we travel. It's going to change where people decide to buy a home, which is where people pay taxes, which is how local communities all around the world get, get revenue, which is how they pay roads and how they pay the hospital employees and faculty we need so so bad. And so it's changing the entire landscape. And we also need to be you know aware of that. So, so there's going to be more remote work. I, I think it's industry by industry, it's going to play out differently. And so I'll think of a couple of examples. An insurance firm, right, within any insurance industry, that to me is probably going to be an area where they work from home. It's more likely to have remote jobs in an industry where a lot of your, you know, almost all your tasks can be done with a computer, a phone, and a good internet connection. Obviously, a lot of education or healthcare is going to continue to be in person. Certain cells can be done better online. Certain cells can be better in person. It's just industry by industry. It's in that direction. But I think most most organizations are going to need to improve how they're thinking, cultivating, developing community culture for remote employees. Whether it happened last year, it's five years away, we need to be prepared for it. And frankly, I think it's going to help with recruiting of new employees. I think it's going to help with retainment. And I think it's going to help your team be the best if you can work some degree remotely. I think if I had to say one thing, I think overall, hybrid is going to be most likely the way forward. I think there's, you know, big firms, you know, here in the States, Salesforce just announced uh, they're going remotely. That was a big one, but they kept their offices. And it's like, while they're fully remotely, I think they're the largest office real estate tenant or owner in, in, I don't know, San Francisco or like the Western US, something like that. And so they're keeping their offices and they need them because they know there's certain meetings they can only do or, or that are better to be done at, at least in person. And I fully support those kinds of models. And, and yeah, it's trending in the direction of remote. It's definitely trending in, in the direction of hybrid and any team or manager or the economic development person at small town need to sit down and say, specifically given my world, 
how can we make sure we're a part of this future and, and possibly even leading within this future. Like in, in that example of real estate, like the small towns who say, hey, we just invested in fiber. Hey, we're building great recreation space because we know in the middle of your day, you might want to go out and recreate from your home at 1 p.m. because you might have more autonomy at your job. The, that's going to be the leadership in this new space. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot more of cities rethinking it, companies rethinking it, and even small mom and pop. I, I highly agree, by the way. But in the, uh, one of the upcoming episodes uh, of this podcast, we'll have an interview with, uh, with the founder of Cody. It's something like WeWork meets Airbnb. It's really interesting how remote work will affect real estate as well and office spaces. Yeah. For sure. And there, there is also, by the way, an upcoming trend on suburban co-working offices. Because why the heck do you want to go to a co-working office, which are the downtown? So yeah. you also have to commute. You're yeah. pretty much replicating the whole commuting to the office uh, scenario. Yeah. 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 Anyway, the, it massive, will be interesting. Yeah, super interesting. Massive changes. In 2020, we had two decades worth of change happening in two months. And it's going to continue to be changing, but I think we're on a steady pace again. The change overall, besides pandemics and other very precise events, like 9-11 was one here, obviously, in the States and around the world that changed in a heartbeat so much. Overall change is, is slower than that. And so we had an insane event that packed a lot of change. Now it's more stable. So now is the time to be thinking more long-term, to be bringing on the resources, to be hiring. Because it was so hard to do in the middle of things last year when it wasn't predictable. Now I think there's enough predictability. And that's probably why Salesforce last week made that big announcement because they're like, okay, we have predictability. Now we have stability. Now we know the way forward. And so now's the time you make your own plan for working from home. If you're an individual or, or moving to, to that small town, you're changing your office places. The company makes the plan. The city makes the plan. Now's the time to be making the plan. I think this is the, the best time to, to do some planning because we are right after the storm. Yeah. Or, yeah, I hope. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thank you. I hope we could provide valuable insights for those who are looking to boost their team culture remotely. Thanks, Michael, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was yeah, incredible conversation. It was a great talk. If anyone has any questions or any insights that they want to get, can you share some contact details with the, with the audience, please? Sure. You can most easily find me just with searching the internet, Michael Youngblood, Unsettled. You'll find the Unsettled website there. You'll find my, my email address is right there on our website. So, so you can get in touch with me there. I'll say we are currently hiring. Look for Unsettled hiring, job descriptions, it's a fully remote position, so we hope you apply. Surprise. <laughs> this is something you're looking for. And yeah, I hope to hear from people. We'll unsettle, organize more retreats once the... Oh, thanks, God. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll probably... We're very close. We've been conservative throughout this whole time. Other travel companies have gone off and traveled. Good for them. We've decided to remain conservative and say, let's do it when it's the right time for the right reason. I bet your first trip might be in June or July, and it might be a shorter trip just to test some waters. And then I think by late July, August, and September is when we'll begin to be running some of our retreats again. And yeah, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Cool. Okay, so we will cover more business challenges in our upcoming episodes. As always, we will follow up this show with more content on our site at the99challenges.com. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for joining. Thank you for tuning in to the 99 Challenges show. We follow up each episode with more content at the99challenges.com or at anywhere.consulting. 
Have a specific challenge you want us to discuss? Want to be a guest on our show? Feel free to drop us a line at info at anywhere.consulting. Until next time, take care and grow.